everyone. I'm Katherine Rudder, and you're listening to Life in the Fast Chain. On this episode, we have Brandon Zemp, host of the Blockhash podcast and author of the book The Satoshi Sequence, among other things. Um, he discusses how he got into blockchain and cryptos at a young age, Facebook's Libra, what it took to write his book, and what his future in the space looks like, and much more. Um, but before we get into it, I'm here with Kate DeWinter on her second to last day in the office. What do you have to say to your, for yourself? Hi, guys. I knew it! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, if you don't know why that's funny, you should probably listen to other episodes. you got to listen to the last three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to miss you. Um, are you excited to go back to school? Yes, I'm definitely very excited to get back to school. I haven't been there in a while, so yeah. it'll be really fun to get back into things in my senior year, but I'll definitely miss being in the office here every day with everyone. We're going to miss having you here. Do you have, like, uh, exciting classes this fall? I guess I'm taking some pretty interesting things, but cool. mostly just, like, senior seminars and— How many classes do you have to take? I'm only taking four, Oh, finally. that's nice. Yeah. But do you have to take five every other semester? Almost? I guess, yeah. I I don't know. I've taken, like, too many classes at this point, I think, just because I didn't yeah. really know what I wanted to major in at first. And mm-hmm. I ended up, like, double majoring, but I wasn't doing that initially at all. Yeah. So I've just taken a lot of random things. And cool. then, yeah, pretty much finishing out with just some major requirements. So what but, is your—I mean, I feel like it's really hard to say, like, what one of your favorite classes would be. But do you have any, like, favorite classes you've taken throughout the years? Yeah, so I'm an American Studies major, so— um, a lot of my classes are like politics, government, history, and sociology. Oh, it's like cool. Pretty interdisciplinary. Um, but I guess I took a course called Controversies About Inequality, which was really cool. That's interesting. It was definitely really interesting. And the professor was great. It was a sociology class. Yeah. Um, and then I took a visual studies class that was really cool. Oh, that's and it cool. somehow fits in my major. But I guess. What would that like entail? Yeah, it kind of starts off with, um, like, a lot of, like, art history, but then you get into, like, by the end, um, like, advertising and media, and then, like, it was kind of a unit about, I guess, like, like, how, like, people portray things to, like, get you to, like, I don't know, like, not eat meat. They, like, showed us this, like, scary video of, like, pigs being killed and, like, oh. it, was, like and it was, like, very interesting how he did it and then some of it was, like, very technical in the actual, I don't know, words for yeah. the way you see in things. But, yeah, it was a really interesting class. That's kind of cool. That's got to be, like, a little helpful with, like, marketing stuff. Yeah, definitely. It was definitely really cool because you actually kind of, it starts, it also starts with, like, the way you actually see things and kind of, like, the science oh, behind seeing interesting. things. And, um, I guess like wording and like we literally watched a movie on a font like Helvetica is the world's most used font in case you're interested (laughs) good to know Helvetica is the world's most popular font yeah but like why that as opposed to others it was very cool like got into like the nitty gritty of like all these like tiny little elements yeah yeah, that is kind of cool. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what my favorite. Oh, yeah, no. Mine, I took a lot of creative writing classes, and those yeah, were kind of fun. cool. Except they were a little infuriating sometimes because, um, so I was an English major with creative writing concentration. But um, 
it was kind of infuriating sometimes because we would have to do like workshops and you'd have to present your story. And yeah. obviously, if you've like worked on it really hard, you're really close yeah, to it. Absolutely. And people would like rip each other's things. Yeah. Apart. <laughs> and like, obviously, it's constructive criticism, but that's True. definitely like. But that's one of my different than classes. even like writing like an essay that is about so something different. that's not. Yeah, it's like your completely own ideas and what yeah, you come up with. That's hard. Totally. I even write. I once wrote. Um, so not on the topic of anything, but I once wrote a story that was a true story that I kind of like twisted yeah, and then people ripped that apart classes. I was like are you kidding me it's yeah. a true story like you can't change the fact this happened but yeah. once you kind of got out of that then obviously those were good classes well that's so exciting that you're going back I wish I was going back to school yeah but I know it's okay every day is a lesson here at R3 yes <laughs> <laughs> good way to tie it back to blockchain um so can we confirm that you're going to now join the blockchain club at school? Yes, absolutely. Okay, cool. Yeah. Send me the uh, email with uh, proof. Please. Yes, I will. I'm going to need a recommendation from you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'll write one. I'll write one. Or even just, like, get into the club or whatever. I'm sure it's not exclusive, but if it was, just, like, send them the recording of the podcast and be like, yeah, so, like, what do you guys do this summer? That's what I did. True. Yeah. I'm on the world's most famous blockchain podcast. Yes. Yes. You are sitting with uh, the most blockchain famous person in the world. So that's exciting for you. (laughs) (laughs) How lucky are you? so lucky. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, I'm very happy to have had you all summer. Obviously, have been very helpful. Everyone listening knows how helpful you've been because of how much better the podcast is now because (laughs) of you. And also, like, whenever I'm, like, frantically running around, Kate can kind of reel me in and just be like, okay, so I've done this, this, that. And I'm like, oh, cool. I have not done any of the stuff I was telling you I was going to do. But uh, cool, cool. Um, so, yes, thank you. And I hope you've learned a lot. Yes. No, I've I still learned, learned so much at this place. Yeah, it's crazy. Absolutely. I mean, even the... The podcast has also taught me so much. Yeah, it's very um, cool. And it's a definitely definitely a different way of learning. Um, so I hope all the guests are learning as well. But speaking of learning, I guess we'll jump into the Brandon Zemp uh, segment. He was a great guest, very knowledgeable. He's going to have me on his podcast, so he says. Uh, now that I've said it out loud, he has to. So name and shame if he doesn't. Okay, hope everyone enjoys. Bye, Kate. Bye. Thank Thank you. I am on the line with Brandon Zemp, author of the book, The Satoshi Sequence, and the host of the Block Hash podcast, on top of many other things. Thank you for coming on the line today. Thanks for having me. Of course. Also in the studio, I have Kate DeWinter, who is the marketing intern. Kate? Hi, guys. <laughs> so um, I have I told Brandon before we started recording that Kate and I are taking up the uh, booze and blockchain part of the podcast. And we have beer in the studio, which I normally don't drink. But a co-worker told me that I should try this beer. So it's um, Sweetwater Brewing Company Extra Pale Ale 420. I don't know what any of that means. Does that make sense to you, Brandon? Yes, oh, it's very light. <laughs> oh, it's light. Oh, that's good because they were going to give me an IPA, and I said um, like a really heavy IPA. Oh, yeah. um, IPAs are great. IPAs are awesome. Oh, see, yeah, I I'm totally not an IPA person. But on on the topic, Brandon, what would, you, would your drink of choice be? 
Well, since we're on the topic of beer, it would be an IPA. Um, actually, out in Oregon, where I'm at right now, we have all kinds of different craft breweries. Oh, cool. uh, so shout out to Ten Barrel, shout out to Deschutes, shout out to Boneyard. They make some awesome IPAs, like super hoppy. Oh my um, gosh, interesting. They're fantastic. Yeah, so I, I want to become an IPA person because I feel like it's kind of cool to go up to a bar and like know your IPA instead of me sure. being like, hey, can I have a Corona Light? <laughs> Extra. Well, I, honestly, I don't know that much about beer, but I know enough to get exactly what I want. I, j- I like certain flavors, so I just ask for like a good IPA that's really hoppy because yeah. uh, I like that hoppy flavor. And then they always got something, and then that's always good. You know, I, yeah, love IPAs. Name. I yeah. feel like that's the key. Like a, an yeah. IPA with a weird name, I think, and then it's good. Yeah, you sound like extra cool. I also just learned, and I'm uh, actually I'm not going to say my age, but I'm (laughs) old enough that I should have known what hoppy meant before. uh, But I literally just learned it like a few weeks ago, which is sad. Well, now you know. (laughs) Now you know, and I also just continuing the booze and blockchain thing before getting into it. Um, But also, do you drink wine, Brandon? I I drink wine when it's handed to me. Okay, well, that's a great answer. Um, I drink wine when it's not handed to me, when it's handed to me, if I have to really go out of my way to get it. But I um, always was like a California wine person. And then once, or recently, I was randomly talking to a sommelier who I just ran into because I could talk to a wall. um, And she was telling me how her favorite wines are from Oregon. Just saying. Yeah, there's some good wines up here. There's some good wines up in Walla Walla and Washington, too. Interesting, because also from New York, I don't think I ever see like a Washington wine. Yeah, true. Yeah, it kind of depends on region. I mean, I think it really depends on where you are. Like, I do like red wines, and I actually really like Malbecs. Because um, I was actually in Argentina um, about a year ago and had some amazing Malbec wine down there. It just it's different. Yeah. Uh, outside United States and it's up here, just the way they grow it and the, the elevation they grow it at and everything. And I'm not a wine expert totally. at all. No, um, no, no. If I had to pick a wine, it would be a good like Argentinian Malbec or something like that. Okay. So funny you say this because my, br- well, you actually have like something to back it up. Like you were in Argentina, my brother, um, and my family is just like a kind of big wine family. That's why I like it so much. But my brother just randomly decided that he likes Malbecs, but he doesn't have an excuse like you. Just <laughs> like, what? You just tried it once and and fell in love. So that's also a good answer. See, you know your stuff. Damn. Yeah. I, well, I know enough to get the kind of alcohol that I want. That's about it. I don't. I don't have like a broad spectrum of alcohol knowledge. Unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things out there too. So. How could you? Anyways, let's really get into it. But that was fun. I learned learned a good bit about you. So um, first, before we jump into all, I mean, all of the like hardcore stuff, you wrote a book, The Satoshi Sequence. I would love to hear one, this is a two-part question, one, kind of how you got into the blockchain crypto uh, space, and then two, how you decided to write a book about it. Yeah, so let's start with how I got into crypto since that kind of led to the book. Um, So when I was in college and I went to college at uh, Pitzer College in Claremont, California, Um, my freshman year, I think, is when I first heard about Bitcoin. And uh, that was around the time that it first kind of broke into the news and had gone up to around like 
$1,200 or so. And I think for a lot of us as students, when we saw some of this stuff going on, it sparked a lot of interest and kind of curiosity, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't very relevant still. And then I don't, I think it was around the summer of 2016 that I really started actually looking into it a couple of years later, because it really died off for a while. Um, but actually I believe that spring of 2016, I went to a conference in Las Vegas and Peter Schiff was at that conference and I was listening to him talk about, uh, Bitcoin among a number of other things. And he was actually pretty bearish on the price of Bitcoin mm-hmm. and where everything was going. He still kind of is anyways. Um, <laughs> but, and then after i kind of took that renewed interest in Bitcoin from that conference in Vegas to an investment meetup that I was a part of um, with this group called Obris. Uh, it's now called Seraph. Later mm-hmm. that summer in 2016, and I remember somebody talking to me about Ethereum, um, and I've never heard of Ethereum before. Like the only past knowledge I had of crypto was like Bitcoin and Litecoin, and that was it. Um, and then they were talking about this whole DAO thing, which is the decentralized autonomous organization that infamously got hacked and people lost a lot of money. Um, it was very controversial. Um, but once I heard about Ethereum and I took that knowledge back with me to college, my senior year, it it started to spark even more interest because I was like, okay, well, it's not just like a, a payment method. It's not just Bitcoin. It's not just Litecoin. You can actually build on this technology called the blockchain. Um, so that was really interesting. And I couldn't stop thinking about everything Ethereum had accomplished with the DAO and what the effects of that would be in the future. So what did it accomplish exactly? We saw that it was possible to build smart contracts on a blockchain that could eliminate trust and middlemen in a world that grows more distrustful and more problematic every single day. That's everything. And on top of it, blockchain wasn't being discussed in college very much. Uh, Even my my senior year, uh, professors were unaware of it. Students didn't really have access to education that would help them understand it better. And so it was just kind of written off as not that important. But my opinion was completely different on that. I was probably the only one in my college that was really focused on understanding what Ethereum was. So after my thesis, uh, uh, spring of 2017, my senior year, spring of my senior year, like right before I graduated, a couple months before, um, I decided to start buying some Ethereum at around six or seven dollars and was able to convince some of my friends and family to look into it as well and by the time may of 2017 came around ethereum had gone up to like 50 bucks and then it was up to like 100 bucks and it's a crazy crazy investment ride and we're just like holy holy crap like it's it's like actually like going up in value like and there's not like a lot being done on the platform it was like really early and then that just kind of got me even more and more involved into understanding what the technology could do and where it could go and how much underlying interest there was. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there's a lot of interesting stories that came out of college with that. There's a lot of times I'd sit in like the dining hall before like a biochem class or an ochem class. And I'd be on my computer, like downloading wallets and buying some Ethereum or some Litecoin or trying to find some news and trying to understand it. And a lot of students would like walk by, um, <laughs> 
wondering if I'm like trading stock. Like they just didn't understand. And then it was really hard to explain. So a lot of them would ask me like, what the hell I'm doing? And I'd be like, well, I'm trading this virtual currency on this exchange that I just got into in South Korea. And then I'm trying to sell it on this other exchange over here in Japan. And then there's this like arbitrage opportunity. And they just look at me like I'm high or something like, they're like what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and but I think now a lot of people have come around to it, but definitely back then in college, it was like, and it was not a thing. Like no one really understood it. No, totally. And, um, I mean, we're around the same age as well. So I'm like following you on that. I was kind of in the same, I would not say I knew what, um, cryptos were and like blockchain, obviously when I was, I guess when I was, definitely my senior year of high school and um into college but i didn't understand them but i knew that they existed mm-hmm. so i'm kind of following your timeline as well but you obviously dove into it way <laughs> more than me yeah I, th- I think a lot of us around the same age had the same experience that are in the crypto now i'm just unfortunately yeah. it wasn't like prevalent not a lot of people understood it or were talking about it and even right now they're not talking about it. i have a lot of friends that are still in college um, a lot of people that are just starting college that I know that they don't really hear about it. Like there's a blockchain club like here or there, but it's not very serious. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I think some of my friends too now, I, I've told a while ago, like I don't know how many years ago, I told all my friends like, hey guys, um, you got to buy some, like buy something, buy Bitcoin, buy Ethereum, buy Litecoin, buy something, but I think it's going to go up. And this was before mm-hmm. like last year when obviously it went crazy um, and no one listened to me. And so it was very satisfying when it went rocketed <laughs> when it up. worked for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And people get mad at me. They're like, why didn't you tell me to buy it? It's $10,000 now. And I'm like, one, you, I told I did tell you to buy it. <laughs> Two, <laughs> just because it's $10,000 doesn't mean you can't buy it. It's highly, highly divisible. You can buy a couple dollars or less in Bitcoin if you really want to. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I mean, that's a very good point. Like, it's just kind of fun to be involved. I think uh, this also, I am not a better at all, but like, I understand the value in like sports betting because then you actually have like you have a reason to watch the game or something. So like betting in the littlest bit at le- or not betting in, putting in the littlest bit of money, then you have a reason to watch how everything kind of fluctuates. Yeah, there's a lot of decentralized platforms that are trying to um, capitalize on that opportunity where you can set up a social account to like uh, place a bet or a poll mm-hmm. or you could post your social media or you can contribute. Um, like PodCrypt does one for podcasts and then I was on Scent today and Scent's kind of like social media. Um, and cool. there are a number of others that are like working on like betting and stuff like that. But the premise is that you have like a wallet, like an Ethereum wallet, for example, and then you auto distribute to whoever you listen to the most on a podcast or whoever you like that posts something. Or if you want to... Um, say yes or no to a poll or vote on a poll, then you might contribute some Ethereum that way. Um, and it's a nice way to kind of like redistribute uh, wealth to people that are kind of getting ripped off by some of these big companies um, like Facebook or like Twitter, like where the advertising model is just totally out of favor for the person that's producing content. Mm-hmm. And it's not actually getting anything for putting out all that content. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, there's a lot of like bat. I don't know if you've heard of bat, but uh, they're called basic attention token. And they do the same thing with advertising where they reward someone for putting out content and then they reward an advertiser for um, putting out a relevant ad and then they reward the platform um, who's medi- mediating like the information. So there's a lot of cool things you can do with that too. No, totally. And I also don't know, don't know what that is. So I'm happy that you mentioned it. I'm just learning a lot on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Now tell me, tell me what kind of uh, made you think to write a book about it, which I, by the way, I have mm. to be honest, I haven't read it, but I, I, after having you on, I promise I will. I'll send you a copy and I'll sign it. Oh um, my gosh. Too. Kate wants one too. I'll give you I'll send, I'll send two. Actually, I have a bunch coming Friday. I'll send two. You just got to give me an address. Yes. <laughs> this is so exciting. Okay. But then, and I'll confirm with you when, after I read it, I'll send a picture of the pages so you know that I'm being genuine. But no. Absolutely. Um, that's cool. Oh, I'll tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> From the Arthur. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> I will read it, I promise. But what made you um, decide to write the book? Yeah. So I think it was immediately after I graduated from college that I decided to write my book, the Satoshi sequence. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't necessarily setting out to write a 300 plus page novel, nor was I any kind of crypto guru, but sitting in college and having the experience of being the only person that actually would dabble in crypto a little bit and speculate. I had pages and pages of notes in my notebooks from college that I accumulated doing research on Bitcoin and what Ethereum was in my free time. And coupled with my experience buying Ethereum, I thought I could provide a lot of value to people by sharing what I saw in the technology. So what I saw was this exponential shift in growth from what Bitcoin was to what Ethereum was promising. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you look at it, Satoshi Nakamoto, who is this mysterious creator of Bitcoin, gave us humanity a gift by planting a financial seed in the world. Developers watered that seed and now we have Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer trustless payment system that belongs to the individual as much as it does to the collective. From this seed, developers realized that the underlying technology, which we call blockchain, had the ability to do many other things as well. This eventually became what Ethereum was. Mm -hmm. So in my book, I reference Ethereum as the beginning of this Gen 2, Generation 2 um, blockchain tech, much like the iPhone, for example, when it goes from iPhone version seven to version eight to version 10, um, essentially at the core of my book, this is the eventual takeaway Mm -hmm. that this technology will continue to be revolutionary for years to come, that it will continue evolving on top of itself. Hence the title, the Satoshi sequence. And I wrote it for the average person that is new to blockchain, especially for those that are still kind of in school or want a picture painted for them of where the industry might take us. And I think one of the most exciting things about this industry is what's the third generation of blockchain going to be? How are we going to solve the issues that Ethereum has right now? How are we going to scale so that tons of people can use it? How are we going to solve proof of work so that it doesn't suck up so much energy and hurt the environment? Or are we going to move to another validation method like proof of stake? for example. There's a lot of issues that need to be solved if we want hundreds of millions of people, if not 
a billion people to actually use a blockchain platform. If you want a large institution or a large company to build on a blockchain, it needs to scale. You, you can't have Microsoft build an application for the masses to have it, uh, have the gas price go up exponentially and be incredibly slow simply because CryptoKitties is super active that day. <laughs> That's a real world problem that they have to solve. Totally. <laughs> so, at the core of it, that's kind of what my book goes after this, where the technology started, where it's at now, and then where are we looking to go in the future? That's amazing. That's also such a good resource for people who, um, like you said, are just kind of trying to learn more um, about the technology, about cryptocurrencies. I focus a lot more on just the blockchain side instead of going into cryptos as much. Um mm-hmm. But I think it's so valuable for people who just want to learn more. Because even like I have a lot of friends who want to um, get involved. They just don't know how. So I'll point them to your book. Absolutely. And I, I try I try and give it out to as many people as I can. If like if you see me in person, I always got like a copy or two on me. Like the whole goal is not necessarily to make a profit off the book more than it is to provide education, because that's the biggest bridge that we have to build right now is the average person that is stuck with their U.S. dollars and their restrictive bank account that doesn't understand how the technology works. And then this giant ominous technology that we don't understand um, that only high level developers get or that even high level developers don't even know how to build on because it's a different coding language. It's just a different technology and there's no bridge educational bridge to it. So essentially the book helps solve that problem, a bit of that problem. Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. That's also kind of what I try to, I don't know how great of a job I'm doing, but I try to kind of convey on the podcast too, because uh, there's kind of a gap, right, between people who, obviously there's the developers who don't know the specific languages that everything's built on, which not even just a plug for our own blockchain platform, but that is the reason that they decided the... um, Richard Gendel Brown, who uh, we work with, uh, decided to use uh, Java and Kotlin. Um, but regardless of that, uh, there are the developers who know and the people who are in the blockchain space that know everything about blockchain. Um, and then there's a massive gap. And then there's people who have maybe heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> and Absolutely. like mostly have just heard of Bitcoin because all of a sudden it skyrocketed last year. Yeah, so, I, think, I think everybody's heard about Bitcoin at least by this point. But I mean, that doesn't mean they still understand Bitcoin and then everything else on top of it. It's it's just hazy. No, totally. So that's great. Um, That's a great resource. And that's also probably, I mean, obviously what you're doing with your podcast as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, So after my book, I... Got it. I was looking for different ways to get into the industry where it was really early, um, other than just buying crypto off of speculation. I wanted to build something, and I'm not a coder at all, so it's a little bit trickier when it's um, an ecosystem built around developers and coders. So I really just kind of zeroed in on this idea of education, and I started the podcast. Actually, I started the podcast in college my senior year, but I put it on the shelf because I never had any time. And then I came back to it. um, Yeah, see, I don't don't have as much time as you either. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I came back to it. Let it be known. We are busy people. (laughs) Yeah, it's life. Um, So 
I came back to the podcast the beginning of this year, um, looking at the numbers for podcast growth and how fast it's growing for how young of an industry it is. And then couple that with another young industry like blockchain. And I'm like, okay, maybe there's an opportunity here to build something very cool and educational. So I took the podcast off the shelf, fixed it up, rebranded it, started it from scratch, um, the beginning of 2019 and I'm where I'm at now with it and have had some awesome guests on the podcast. Um, got some even cooler ones that are coming on in a few weeks. Um, <laughs> some great people lined up and the whole goal is kind of an extension of the book to, provi- to provide education to people that don't understand it, to give them an insight into the industry, to help them explore the blockchain in the same way that I know how to, yeah. uh, because I, I understand this stuff because I'm in and out of it every single day. I, I live it because it's part of my career. Yeah. Um, whereas the average person, this is here to benefit them, but they don't know how to use it. So I try to bring on as many guests as I can that are, that are young, that are building, uh, platforms and dApps applications on, on the blockchain. Um, like the developer for crypto voxels or bringing on, um, Devin Finzer from OpenSea and how they're building that whole marketplace for NFTs and collectibles. And then a number of other people, um, but bringing, bringing people on like that really help, educate the audience on what's going on in the industry. Like it's not, it's not a Ponzi scheme. It's not like a hit and miss. It's not a tulip mania. It's a real thing. It's a real industry that's building. And I don't think a lot of people outside of the news get to see that very often or get to hear about it. So my podcast, like a number of others that are doing well too, is just another outlet for people to hear from within the industry, hear directly from someone that's building something in the industry and to kind of get a better idea. Yeah, no, totally. And also I'm, I'm saying this while we record because I really want you to, <laughs> you to do this. So, <laughs> so and, uh, the, so there's this developer here at R3, Nick Rogers, and he is developing on our platform, Corda, but he, I had him on the podcast a few episodes ago just to talk about what he's doing in his free time and what he's doing other than obviously actually I think he's uh he's a solutions engineer so he's a developer but he's not building Corda um but he is in his free time um do you know the um board game I recognize the name but I didn't fully know it but the set settlers of Catan you know that actually sounds familiar but I'm not quite sure what it is right no, no no that was the exact same reaction i had but he basically is taking it's like an online mm-hmm. board game essentially and he's taking it and he's porting it onto blockchain which i think is kind of cool so i think it would be awesome if you had him on your podcast. absolutely yeah <laughs> Great I, just send me his information by email and i'll, I'll definitely reach out to him would love to yeah i will he's he's amazing i mean i could recommend a million people but while you were saying that i was just thinking about nick and how he is um he's such an interesting guy just because of the way he got into blockchain but also that in his free time he is porting over this game onto blockchain so Anyways, that's a little bit of a tangent, but Very he would cool. be a great guest for your uh, podcast. And you already do have really great guests and some in the pipeline. Like, you should have me on the podcast. We will get you on as soon as you respond to my emails. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kate likes that. Okay. 
<laughs> that is fair, but at least I, I'm I'm lucky to have you on on my podcast. So well, I appreciate baby, it. Baby steps, baby steps. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about cryptocurrencies because I've alluded to this, but I'm obviously fairly knowledgeable of them to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't really been watching recently, maybe because I'm too busy ignoring your emails. But um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was, I was hoping you would laugh at that because that could have either landed or it could have gone horribly. Um, but so, what is going on in the crypto space? I would love just before. Before you even answer my question, I would love to hear a little bit about Libra. I talked on the podcast very recently about it, um, but hearing your take on that and then just kind of generally what's going on. Sure. So the question before the question. So with Libra is very interesting. Um, obviously, it's been all over the news um, right on the heels of uh, Bitcoin being in the news. So obviously Bitcoin mm-hmm. climbed very quickly this spring and recovered. It's been a great uh, couple quarters, early quarters for 2019, where Bitcoin is now like stabilizing at or around $10,000. And it ran up to mm-hmm. like almost 14000 a month or so ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then following that, Facebook released their, their white paper on Libra um, and their wallet Calibra. And they don't have anything released. They don't have anything in alpha beta that you can do. They don't have any physical blockchain. They don't have a physical token, just a paper. Um, and it, I think a, a lot of us were anticipating what Facebook would do with Libra, but no one really understood until they dropped their white paper because we weren't sure if it was going to be a stable coin or if it was going to be a blockchain that you could build on um, or if or why it was being based in Switzerland. And then that just raised tons of red flags and the white paper wasn't um, as detailed as to why. so yeah. I think the white paper was very confused. It seemed confusing. It to was me. confusing. I did <laughs> take the time to read through it at least twice to get an idea of what they were putting out there. Um, but I mean, yeah. obviously there are plenty of red flags because, you know, people in Congress, they, they're older. They don't understand newer technology very well. If I'm sure you watched a little bit of Facebook's prior hearing on the whole Cambridge Analytica scandal. Oh, yeah. Um, where they were asking Facebook questions that were obvious to people like me that sounded for them were probably made no sense. Like they were asking how Facebook made money. They couldn't understand the revenue model. <laughs> and, yeah. and then Mark Zuckerberg sitting there on a booster seat saying, dude, we run ads. Like, so <laughs> it, it, yeah, it was very interesting. And it really highlights the fact that Congress didn't understand what, some of this technology and what they were doing, even as simple as social network with Facebook. Um, What was interesting is despite them bringing in Facebook over Libra again, they actually seem to be a little bit more educated on what blockchain was. There are actually a number of senators that were making comments like, why should we use a blockchain uh, or a crypto or stable coin built by Facebook compared to one that's decentralized? Yeah. They're making comments like, why didn't you build Libra on Ethereum? Um, yeah. I know the answer is why it's not scalable, but I mean, it's a good question. Like they understood that you can build that stuff on Ethereum. Yeah. And then there, and then there were congressmen like Patrick Mahoney, um, who were saying that 
Uh, Bitcoin, for example, is an unstoppable force. You can't stop crypto. You can't stop that kind of decentralized development. Yeah. And that you can't control it and that it actually might have some good benefits for our society versus um, what Facebook's doing. And I think a lot of this stems from the fact that they don't trust Facebook. And I can understand that because a lot of these big companies, (laughs) it's not, it's not just Facebook's fault. They get a lot of, they get a lot of shit for this, that they, they take your information and they sell it. And I get that. And it's awful, but they're not the only company that does it. They were just the face of it. Yeah. Agreed. Um, And I think what some of these congressmen have learned is that with blockchain, the individuals in charge of their personal information, you get to decide what kind of ice cream Facebook gets to see that you like, um, or what kind of cookies you eat or what kind of beer you drink. Like instead of Facebook, just gathering that information and selling it to the highest bidder, you actually sell it directly to the bidder if you choose to do so. Yeah. Um, so there, there's some issues with Facebook's model when it comes to blockchain. And obviously they're trying to get in the, get some skin in the game and, you know, a number of other companies will do exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um, but regarding how Libra works, it's it's a stable coin and it's going to serve a lot of good purposes too. Um, they want to back it with a basket of currencies. I've yet to see what those currencies will be and how stable it'll be. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's a legitimate stable coin, like the, the tremendous amount of stable coins we have now, it'll provide an on-ramp for um, a billion and a half people, 2 billion people. How, I don't know how big their user base is now, but yeah, building yeah. that into Facebook, you have almost 2 billion people around the world that can instantly get into crypto. Totally. Um, so there, there's going to be a lot of good things that come out of that as well as them pushing regulations in a friendly direction um, and encouraging um, financial development um, around like taxes and stuff like that and around the banks. And um, you'll see a shift from retail banking away from the banks and towards big tech and stuff like that. So there's, there's a lot of good things and a lot of bad things that came out of it, but that's kind of like the, the clearest recap I can give on Facebook Libra. Thank you. Thank you. It's also a good addition to what we've kind of, I've already talked about on the podcast about Libra and it kind of gives a little bit more color too. Cause, um, my whole thing when they first announced this was um, my question was more around governance and how we could really trust uh, trust this coming from Facebook, considering all the drama. But uh, but we went over that a little bit, too, in in the episode that I forget which episode it is, but Libra's on the title. Anyways, so um, what's going on? Sorry. It's the most recent one. Oh, it is the most recent one? I think so. No, it's not. No, it's not two two ago. Anyways, regardless. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) what's going on with other cryptocurrencies? I'm really only um, kind of up to speed on Libra, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin. And to be fair, I don't even Mm -hmm. know what's going on right now with them. (laughs) I'd I'd say... It, well, it's a very general question, and there, it's answer a very now. big, big space. So, answer now. Answer now. Tell me about all the currencies um, in the entire world, cryptos and um, actual cash, please. Thank you. Okay, so there are two thousand three hundred eighty-six cryptocurrencies right now. Um, so let's go through. Yeah, let's go through every single one of them at once. <laughs> no, now there's uh, two thousand eight hundred and whatever something seven because I just created. I don't know. Coin. I'm just on coin market cap. That's what it says. I, I created a Catherine coin. More or less. So, okay. Tell me all about it. 
So let's start with Bitcoin, since we all kind of know what Bitcoin yeah, is. Bitcoin is actually doing pretty well. Bitcoin, um, have you heard of the Lightning Network? Are you familiar with that? A little bit, but hit me. Okay. So the Lightning Network helps Bitcoin scale. It allows mm-hmm. Bitcoin to be faster, to have a higher TPS rating, transactions per second, um, and to make it very competitive with other cryptocurrencies like XRP that's very fast or like yeah. Litecoin that's generally pretty fast. Um, but Lightning Network basically creates these payment channels where instead of putting one transaction into a block and then putting that block on the blockchain, mm-hmm. uh, a payment channel opens up and allows you to send Bitcoin back and forth from your wallets and whoever the retailer might be that you're buying a good or service from. Mm-hmm. And you can, for a period of time, you can send Bitcoin back and forth between uh, each other, between person A and person B or person A and company B or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And then after the time expires, that ledger of transactions itself goes onto the blockchain. So instead of having that one transaction go on, you put this entire ledger of transactions that happened in a period of time into the block on the blockchain. And that exponentially... Um, opens up how fast Bitcoin can be and without congesting the blockchain, if that makes sense, and without running up the price for a transaction. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's getting really popular right now and it's growing very fast. And there's a lot of applications you can build into the Lightning Network as well. You can play games, you can um, buy a pizza from Domino's, you can um, do all kinds of cool stuff. A lot like you can do with like Ethereum, you can build on top of um, Lightning Network quite a bit. Um, so that's a really exciting development that makes Bitcoin far more competitive. It's a top layer solution. It doesn't change the Bitcoin blockchain, so there's no hard forks going on. You just put the layer on top of Bitcoin. Um, so that's an exciting development for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you. I'm not going to make you on all the other <laughs> cryptocurrencies. It'd be a long podcast. <laughs> it would be. And I, I. this means, by the way, that you may have... Um, just <laughs> locked yourself into a follow-up episode because I really do. We're uh, definitely coming up on a little bit of time. Kate has a question on you or for you, but I do mm-hmm. want, I would love to have you on the podcast again to kind of dive into this stuff a little bit more. Absolutely. Woo! It's on the record, by the way, so now you have to do it. Dang, can't take it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't take it back. Next time you come to New York, we can do an in-person one. Sure. Yeah, hopefully I'll be in New York soon working on that. Okay, good. Well, let me know when you are. And Kate, follow-up question. Go ahead. Yeah, just one last question. Um, just kind of where do you see yourself going with, you know, is there another book coming? You know, where are you moving your podcast? Give us the inside scoop, bro. Yeah. So I'd, I'd love to do another book. Actually, I'd like to take my book and update it and keep the original first part of the book and then have a second part of the book. So like a second edition version of my book where all the same information is there, but take everything from 2017 to now that 
has happened that has changed the entire industry and add that onto the book, extend it a little bit, make it more comprehensive. I still want people to understand where it came from and everything I was talking about then because it's very relevant. Um, but I also want yeah. that to carry into what happened in the last couple of years, um, especially leading up to 2020 um, and the Bitcoin having, uh-huh. and then all these developments with Facebook and Libra and the government and all these laws and the SEC. And there's so much that's gone on that um, just kind of buries the book and prior books as well um, because it's changing so fast. So the idea for me is to have a book that can continue to evolve. So I'd like to have like a second edition that just is extended for people that haven't read it already. It's great because you get the first part in one book and then you get the whole extra added part for the last couple of years that, um, that I've missed that I didn't get to capitalize on. Um, so that's, that's the future goal for the book. And I will keep you up to date when that does happen. Um, In the meantime, the focus is on the podcast. It's, I got so many people lined up ahead of time. It's, um, it's getting kind of crazy and it's growing really quickly. So I'm trying to stay on top of that to keep it as, as quality as I can and as uh, consistent as possible. And, um, I, I think it's a fantastic outlet for people to get information on this industry, especially since podcasts are growing like crazy. Mm, I Um, I think it's like, 50 million people in the U S listen to a podcast, which is like nothing. And then if that, if that doubles like a hundred million people, um, that creates a huge market pie that people can take a chunk of. Yeah. Um, and audio is going to be big the next couple of years. Audio is going to transform how we do everything. Everything will be voiceless. You'll be using AI for everything. Yeah. Um, so definitely sticking to a podcast and pushing that something that's, um, something that I'm focusing on. So yeah, the book, podcast, those two things kind of encircle my life right now. That's awesome. It's <laughs> great. Also, honestly, the, the, you're so right about the amount of content that you could write about and the amount of stuff that's happened in the past two years and what's to come is like, it's enough for five books. So that's Absolutely. actually super exciting. And, um, after I read the books that you're going to send me, <laughs> don't forget to follow up with your address. You got to email me or I'm going to send you a link to put your address in. <laughs> I, know. I know for any, um, listeners, I'm fairly unreliable to, uh, email back and I, I'm, I'm sorry. Just um, send, but send her links, just send her links. She'll click send on yeah. links and I respond. <laughs> Or Kate just like walks up to me like, hello. Yeah. Yeah. Actually email Kate. Her personal assistant. (laughs) Email Kate and I'll get, I'll get back to you. But yeah, no, we would, I'm, that's an amazing, amazing opportunity. Um, especially, and, um, Kate, I definitely will agree with me the way that you've explained everything and kind of talked about everything is very helpful. And you don't really get that all the time in this space. Yeah, completely. Um, so I get why you're a podcast host. Um, (laughs) little bit more eloquent than life and finance podcast shows, but, um, I'll take it. Yeah. Well, what's surprising with the podcast is I speak far less than my actual guests do, but, um, it's, it's hard at trying to extend it beyond an hour. Like I'm not Joe Rogan. I, I can't run a podcast for four hours. Um, you're going to burn somebody out. <laughs> no, totally. But you've been amazing. And now you've verbally agreed to come on another one. So you got to, I'm going to hold you to that. And then, um, I'm one if you'll have me absolutely <laughs> just gotta click on the link I send you <laughs> <laughs>
I'm the worst at communicating. Okay, well, thank you so much. I'm going to link to all of this information in the bio of this episode. Obviously, everyone who is listening to this, please listen to Brandon's podcast, um, Blockhash Podcast. You can obviously click on link the bio to find it or um, on any podcast app. So thank you for coming on. I hope you have one of your favorite IPAs today to celebrate uh, a hard day's work. <laughs> I, I will. The weekend will get started early for me in about a couple hours. Okay. Go. Thanks for listening to this episode of Life in the Fast Chain. New episodes come out every other week, so be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and sign up to our podcast mailing list to get notifications when new episodes come out. Bye, guys. Woo! Kate DeWinter! Woohoo! Good job! <laughs> Thank you. Take a bow. <laughs> bow. <laughs> she did it. <laughs>